0: Welcome to Before the Business, a podcast dedicated to telling the origin stories of entrepreneurs. My name is Craig Swiston. Today on the podcast, Dyson Forbes from Forbes Wild Foods. Are you looking for Saskatoon berries, gooseberries, candy cap mushrooms, chanterelles, chestnuts, or any of the other foods that are indigenous to Canada? Look no further. Forbes Wild Foods provides Canada's largest selection of wild foods and herbs for chefs, food lovers, and more recently, alcoholic beverage companies. Please join me in welcoming Dyson Forbes. Hi Dyson, let's kick this off. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Forbes Wild Foods?
1: Uh, Forbes Wild Foods has been around over 20 years. We are a Canadian company that supplies unique and indigenous foods to the restaurant industry, to distillers, wholesale customers, and retail stores across Toronto and uh, much of Canada. We have focused on trying to make available foods that grow all around us, but do not normally have much uh, of a commercial market.
0: Can you give me an example of some of the foods you're talking about?
1: So uh, some of the wild foods that we sell would be pawpaw, which is a mango-like fruit that is actually native to Canada. We sell lots of wild rice, uh, of course, maple syrup and blueberries. But then, lots of more interesting stuff like red hairy skunk currants, uh, lots of juniper, great load of botanicals, and a lot of evergreen flavors—cedar, balsam, spruce—that you don't see in a lot of stores or you know marketed anywhere. Uh, these are things that we uh, keep large inventories on and supply to beer makers or tea makers and to people that you know want to consume these things and uh, know about them through you know, their connection with their family's past, their history with Canada, or because they've read about these things and they're interested in sampling some of these really interesting Canadian flavors.
0: So how do you source these unique ingredients?
1: Uh, forging relationships with communities in the North and with people who have access to uh, large amounts of abundant plants, edible plants, uh, that have never been sprayed uh, in areas that are not used for major industrial or agricultural purposes. Uh, We try and make sure that uh, everything that we bring in is coming from people that really care about the land that they're living on and who have intimate relationships with the land. So facilitating the harvest of these foods means reaching out to a lot of these communities that may not have a lot of economic opportunities and offering them means of making use with what is available to them and around them.
0: So we're really talking about hand-foraged or hand-picked, picked right fresh from nature.
1: Exactly. So uh, while we do have a few things that are traditionally cultivated, they are still wild plants, like wild rice. It's, people aren't going out and picking the individual rice grains. Uh, they are collected by machine and whatnot. But yeah, all of these plants are pretty much as true to the natural form of the plant that you can get. So with all of our preserves, the only things that we add to it is a little bit of organic sugar and a little bit of uh, organic pectin, so you can have a stabilized product that's that, that, that's good on the shelf and that it tastes as close to the actual fresh product as possible.
0: But not all of your products are preserved. Some of them are available in their dry, unadulterated form?
1: So we have an extensive uh, range of different botanicals and dried, frozen, and Uh, fresh items. Uh, So we do a lot of farmers markets. This is uh, somewhere where we bring a lot of fresh mushrooms in. And so we work with mycologists, and mushroom pickers all over Canada, be it large groups of people who go off and do uh, massive picks in BC and ship hundreds of pounds across the country, or just super interested people that know what they're doing, who on the weekend, they'll go up north, pick on their land or on their neighbor's land and come down to Toronto with a bunch of chicken in the woods or lactarrius mushrooms. And they have jobs, they have lives, they don't have a means of legitimately getting these to, to restaurants. Uh, however, we're around so that we're able to be that middleman between people that just want to do this thing as an interest uh, and and the actual restaurants that need the stuff, or or the customers that need to have access to these Canadian wild foods.
0: How long has the business been around?
1: So we've been around uh, about twenty-two years now, and uh, we grew from uh, my father getting uh, a loan from a bunch of uh, from a couple of his friends and filling up our house with. Uh, jars of different jams and stuff that he had produced out in Quebec Uh, and we have grown to a company that sells probably over a hundred different unique products in a year in multiple different forms uh, a whole variety of different types of customers be it people at farmers markets who want to interact with us, us directly online customers can come from literally anywhere in the world restaurants used to be a giant portion of our sales and now a lot of other food producers are coming to work with us because not only can we provide them with these interesting flavors, uh, we can also provide them with stability and certainty and a little bit more confidence in what they're getting is actually what they're looking for than working with you know, independent people that are just saying, oh, yeah, I can go out and pick that for you.
0: Are you seeing any changes in the trends, the type of foods that uh, people are coming to Forbes Wild Foods to, to acquire?
1: Uh, There have been a few massive swings in food trends in these 22 years. Uh, We were doing a a big trade show and in one year people would come up and they'd try spruce tips and their face would screw up and they would taste it like it was just this awkward thing that they didn't want to put in their mouth. And then literally one year later, and I attribute this largely to the cooking show, they would come up and they would taste it. And you could see the clocks working in their, their head as they'd stare off up the ceiling. And then all of a sudden announce that, oh, I could see this going well in a vinaigrette. Oh, I could see this going well with salmon. And it was sort of a very hard swap from people being sort of perturbed by strange flavors that they'd never had before to wanting to experiment with these things. Flavors aren 't just an island that they work well with other things, and that you know when you're tasting something, you also need to think about what it would work with, what other complementary flavors there are out there.
0: Earlier you mentioned distillers. I guess the spirits industry is also experimenting with some of these unique flavors.
1: definitely. Uh, we had access to a lot of the raw materials and so we started making them available for people and very quickly saw that there was a, a market for people looking for Uh, these various different herbs and botanicals. And we've been selling juniper for years, but we were always doing it in small bottles. And so we realized that the Canadian market for gin was being supplied by people bringing juniper over from Europe. There were a lot of people trying to sell their product as Canadiana while not really using a lot of Canadian ingredients. So uh, we ended up connecting uh, quite quickly with people who were super interested in trying some of these botanicals. Now we've got about a half dozen distillers who are regularly making use of some of the really interesting things that we sell, like dried cedar, um, spruce tips, tamarack, balsam, sweet gale, sweet fern.
0: So would there be four or five products right now that you, know, you just can't keep on the shelf? They're just in, in high demand?
1: Very recently, the government of Canada did a sensitivity uh, workshop. We had no idea about it. We weren't even mentioned in this. However, they were talking about Labrador tea and sweet fern. And the next thing we knew, we were swamped with probably about 30 or 40 online orders for those two specific products. And they came from people searching online, trying to find what the people in the government were speaking of. A small thing like a Zoom meeting with 500 people in it can have a profound effect on a business like ours. Uh, Another one of the probably the most popular products that we have would be our very dark maple syrup. When we started selling maple syrup, there were thousands of maple syrup producers in Canada, but very few people that were making a grade A quality, very dark maple syrup. Uh, Much of what was out there was made with end of the year sap, that had maybe bitter notes in it, or was kind of smoky because it was being cooked down way too long and giant smoking boilers. Uh, so we decided that we really wanted to make one that was very clean and crisp and just a very rich maple flavor. And uh, ever since we released that, it's been one of our most popular product. Uh, one of the newer products that we've seen a great load of success on is uh, Evergreen Forest Tea, which is again, uh, a product that I created Uh, using some of the various different botanicals that we had in the raw form here, combining them, trying to come up with a a good combination of evergreen flavors that really could be used in sort of uh, all sorts of teas that you would drink. If you want to have, you know, a strong, long infusion, or if you want to do a nice summer cold uh, iced tea, it sort of works in all those areas.
0: I'm really fascinated by this. Can you maybe break down a couple of the products that you're selling that maybe, Most Canadians or or most people have never heard of.
1: Some of the most interesting products that we've uh, released would be our green elderberry capers, which are a lacto fermented green elderberry, uh, which is a crunchy, crunchy, salty, briny, just excellent little addition to salads or or anywhere where you'd want to have a caper. Be it you know a martini or an hors d'oeuvre. We're also coming out with some new products in the next year. Uh, We're looking forward to finally getting some uh, milkweed flower syrup that we uh, have produced in the past. Uh, A lot of people care very deeply about milkweed now. So uh, encouraging people to understand that the plant has many uses and get it out there that this is a wonderful tasting plant that, you know, people should not be ignoring, not just because of the monarch butterflies and what we can do for them, but because it's, it's just really a fantastic plant. Uh, last year we brought in maybe hundred kilos of a uh, type of mushroom that tastes like maple syrup. And we've got a bunch of this mushroom still, and it is probably one of the most unique products that I've ever seen actually made a, a lovely ice cream and a lovely custard out of it. It's probably one of the most exciting things to see people work with.
0: What's that mushroom called?
1: Uh, it's a Lactarius helvis. It's also known as the Eastern candy cap. There are other candy cap mushrooms. There's a Western one that tastes almost even more like maple syrup than this. Uh, it's also known as the fenugreek mushroom. Uh, fenugreek has a very similar flavor, uh, profile to maple syrup, but yeah, if you add this to cream and sugar, you, you taste it and you think you're tasting maple syrup.
0: It's unbelievable that there's so many mushrooms with different flavor profiles
1: there there's mushrooms out there that have very strong lemon-like flavors that would work in place of lemon in a lot of dishes then there's the other things that we work with on a regular basis like chicken of the woods mushrooms are in season right now and we're hoping to get in a bunch because you know for vegans and vegetarians there's no closer product to a meat product
0: Dyson you know so much about this stuff how are you passing on or sharing this knowledge with others
1: I've been able to produce a number of recipes and a number of blog posts, and I have more coming out in the future. Uh, writing about this stuff is really one of the biggest ways of bringing people into the fold. It is connecting with people and getting them to form their own relationships with a lot of these flavors.
0: What's next for you and for Forbes Wild Foods?
1: Uh, We are going to actually have a storefront location, and we're increasing our facilities so that we're able to uh, work with uh, more ingredients on a larger scale and start producing some more uh, items that we know that people are looking for. So moving into this new location, it's going to be a big giant uh, change for us. We've always done farmers markets and that's sort of where we got to interact with customers but that's three hours out of one day a week. So we're moving into the situation where we'll be dealing with people on a daily basis and uh, really looking forward to it.
0: Thanks, Dyson. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to your story and getting to know more about the Indigenous foods that you're bringing to the marketplace. Before the business celebrates the origin stories of entrepreneurs like Dyson Forbes of Forbes Wild Foods.